0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts, I'm here to tell you that 1-800-Flowers.com is your ultimate birthday gifting destination. 1-800-Flowers has thoughtful and artfully created options that are guaranteed to deliver the best birthday surprise. Shop thousands of unique gifts at 1-800-Flowers.com for exclusive offers and great values. To order today, visit one-eight hundred flowers.com slash tune in. That's one-eight hundred flowers.com slash tune in.
1: You twist my mind I don't know I am. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am here with Matt.
2: Hi, Pete. How good you to doing?
1: Be- Very good to be here, yeah. How you feeling?
2: Full of excitement and joy after uh, the start of the season.
1: After the start of the season, or after the email that I got from a PR company earlier saying that the Arsenal Opinion podcast broke into the top 500 podcasts in the UK. I think
2: sports podcasts.
1: I, I, oh, yeah, ignore yeah, that, yeah, ignore it's, that. It's, it's, yeah, I don't know where the number came from. It, it, it's impressive
2: though, We're impressive.
1: We are impressive. We are an impressive duo, um, but not as impressive as some of the things that we saw at the weekend against the mighty Burnley. Um, is it fair to say that they are the new Stoke and Ashley Barnes is the new Kevin Davies?
2: Yeah, he, he's he's effective though, isn't he? He's a real battering ram. I prefer him in my side to Kevin Davies.
1: I've got to say. You know, I, yeah, yeah I, I sort of had
2: this moment. I was like, this guy could actually score a lot of goals. And um, and win himself like a move to a to a sort of a mid-table team. He's, he's, he's got
1: Everton future written all over. Yeah,
2: it. I could. I sort of. He's got. He definitely got a bit of the Kevin Davies about him, and that goal celebration. Horrible.
1: Ah, yeah. I, I I really I really don't like him. What I what I did like about the day is that normally those thuggish teams come to play us when we've got a like young players in the side and we lose. Um, obviously different because we won at the weekend. Um, how, how do we want to talk about the game? Uh, do we want to talk about the young players? Do we want to talk about the debut of David Luis and Danny Ceballos? Like, so many good things to talk about, really.
2: Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing for me is we have got six points from the first two games. When was the last time that happened? I think it was 2009, 2010, so nearly a decade ago. It just shows how bad uh, we have been at the start of seasons. And it feels like... For so many years, we've been ill-prepared to start a season, and we haven't been perfect this year, and we've got a lot of youngsters in the team, especially at Newcastle away, and the fixture list has been kind to us with those first two games, to be fair. Um, But every good Arsenal season seems to rely on Arsenal having a good start to the season. And if you think about 2015 or whatever it was, we had a good start to the season. If you think about 2010, I know those are two years we didn't win the league, but there were years we were competing for it. At least, you know, we rely on that first, on that fast start. And um, and you know, you see someone like Chelsea with one point from six. That's normally us. I don't think Chelsea have played particularly badly, but they've got you know, you know like last season, six points off the pace after two games. I know we played City and Chelsea,
1: but and then went on a, a resurgent run. We went on a blistering
2: run, but there's it's always hard when you're playing catch up. It's always better, and Arsenal is such a confidence team. So, really, really excited about the first couple of games, and um, and it means that we can go into the next two games, which are absolutely huge. Um, with optimism and confidence. And we know that even if we lose both of them, we're still no worse off than we were last season.
1: Yeah. And it's nice to look at the premier league table and see us above Manchester city, because you know that that's not going to last long this season, judging by the way that, um, they've impacted the first two games so far. So the de- debut for, um, Luis, a uh, lot of, um, back and forth and consternation about his signing. Uh, but I think ultimately, um, Arsenal fans, have, most Arsenal fans have settled on, this is a, this is probably a very good, smart sign-in for the club, what did you think of the performance?
2: I was really, really, really enjoying it, I think he's a really good player, I really like him as a personality um, I think it's the right thing for the club and it must have been about 37 minutes gone, we were 1-0 up, he was knocking the ball around from the back like we hadn't seen um, and then we conceded a sloppy goal that was his fault
1: um so it's a bit of a deflection though along the way. Right?
2: Mm, I mean it's a little bit of a
1: switch off, But yeah. it is, you know, first but game of the season. First game of the season and I think
2: we have just got to accept that's the way it's going to be and you know the defense is a work in progress. Um I don't like I don't like I think we need we need hopefully holding can come in and do a job. Um but look it's it's progress but I like the look of him. I like his personality. He at least looks like he's attempting to organise something back there. because
1: He's a talker in defence,
2: yeah. Yeah, uh, and, it's, and it's rare that we even try and organise. So it's definitely a positive, yeah.
1: I like the way that he attacks the ball um, and the way, you know, when the corners were coming in, uh, in in the last five minutes of the game, Bernd Leno was having a bit of a Fabianski day out remember when bolton was shooting from corners against him i feel like um, he lost a bit of confidence and going into the last 5 minutes of a game like that like you, there's no trust in the keeper it was great to see uh, luis organizing shouting marshalling and then like taking absolute accountability for making sure that you know nobody got a chance on goal he's actually like he's very dominant in the air i think he uh, i think he I think he had seven headed clearances I don't know that you're naturally busy against the team dominant in the air. Dominant or Dominant in the, air. in the hair. He's dominant in the hair. That I, I, I know. I know. I shouldn't like it, but you know. I think it was in the first half where he passed right across our six-yard box out wide, and you're like, "That is that is such an ambitious, over-the-top pass." And normally you'd be screaming if Mustafi did that, even if it came off. Like there'd be lynch mobs hanging around outside, but. Uh, I, I quite enjoyed it. You know why I enjoyed it? Because I was thinking, "Wow, this guy is going to greatly reduce the need to play jacker in every game." Because I, I, I think um, if you look at his pass map, like mo- most of his successful passes were short, and like he was a bit off key with the long balls, but the ambition in some of those balls from the back was quite spectacular. And when you've got Pepe. Obama Yang and Lacazette running onto them. Like you could see that being quite an outlet this season.
2: Yeah, and I think I was looking probably more short term and I was going, look, we've got Liverpool next weekend. It's great that he's got ninety minutes under his belt. They're probably gonna be pressing us quite hard at times, so being able to have a long ball over the top to one of our strikers could be really useful. And last year we got hammered when we went there, so it feels like we might concede a goal or two less with Louise at the back. So Positive on Louise, um, but you know, not the most eye catching of the debuts because that was
1: uh, Caballos.
2: That, is it Caballos or Ceballos?
1: I don't know. Uh, let, Ceballos
2: Caballos Caballos,
1: sounds
2: Ceballos. better. Cabalos. Uh,
1: yeah. What well, I, I thought the two standout performances for me were uh, was, like Ceballos, without a doubt, was man of the match. Um, I think he had like 97 touches of the ball. He he, he does everything that people say Özil can't do, and I, what I like about him is he also blends a bit of Aaron Ramsey. Like he's a better technician than Aaron Ramsey, but obviously not as experienced and as much of a goal threat at the moment. And then he does the bits of Özil that we that, that we love, and um, sadly we've lost over the last 18 months or so. Um, and I think after the first game, when he came on against um, Newcastle, I was I was worried that we were going to have like a Robert Perez bedding in where it's going to take a good six months. But he came out of the traps, didn't he? He was
2: awesome from uh, from minute one, really. Just great touch. Um, it was great for him to play at home. Um, he seems to be two-footed. He sort of shuffles the ball between his feet, like they're a sort of paddle. He's got a bit of the pirates about him. Yeah. Bit of the Casula about him, the way he seems so two-footed, um, and just settled into the game wonderfully. So he looks like a real player. I mean, you know, it's a good sign when your biggest concern is that we might get used to having him around and have to give him back at the end of the year. So
1: yeah, last time we loaned someone from Madrid was it Baptista?
2: Well, and we could have kept him. We just we didn't want to. to. <laughs> we didn't
1: want to. I, I wanted to leave. The, give the beast back. Another thing that I love about Ceballos is he loves it. He loves playing in front of a big crowd. Like, he, he was getting as amped up about performance. I thought he scored
2: that goal at the beginning because he went running to the corner flag as if he'd scored it. And oh, it was I
1: know, like... but celebrating it, you know, and a, it wasn't even really an assist, was it? It was celebrating shutting someone down really hard. Um, I, I, love, I love that attitude. I think that he's going to get on with the fans uh, really well this season. And I get, uh, like... I, I guess the it's not cut and shut that if he has a great season with us, he's going to stay at Madrid because Madrid are always looking for that, like that's something X-Factor. special. Yeah, yeah, the X-factor players. And um, I don't know whether they're going to, I don't know whether they'll bring him back. I mean, I guess a lot's dependent on whether Zidane's there. Um, but, you know, they, they've let great players go in the past. and they, They're always shifting players out, always changing their opinion. But I don't know whether he's quite, I don't know. I think I'm hopefully wishing that he isn't what they need next season.
2: But he looked fantastic. And look, it's another one of those ones where we've been so used to a certain type of player and a certain quality of player. And this isn't to be so fickle as to go, oh, he's better than Aaron Ramsey. It's just to say, you know, we were all down. We're going, oh, we're missing Aaron Ramsey. This, But... Football has moved on, um, and it's great to have a mobile technician in the middle because we've missed that more than anything.
1: And he it's just, a peg that fits. Yeah, Aaron Ramsey didn't quite fit under the Emery system until the last 10 games of the season. Ozil is probably never going to fit that sort of system if he carries on with that attitude. So to have somebody that just comes in and clicks with the way that the manager wants to play is exciting. Um, moving on to another player that caught the eye, Willock. Again, game two,
2: Growing into the role, physically dominant. Uh, I mean, again, it's a home game against Burnley, so it's sort of perfect for an attacking player in some ways. But he looks good, he looks strong. I mean, I'd really... I would love it if he could play the first five or six games of the season and we can really bet him in, because I think he would just go from strength to strength to strength to strength. But we have Liverpool and Spurs next two games, so it's going to be really interesting to see whether... Uh, Emery opts for more experience in those games, but he's certainly equip- equipped himself well in the opening two games. Um, I love the fact that he's been given a chance. He looks like he could be a mainstay of the of the team. And again, it's 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 quality and depth. You know, I saw Welbeck's goodbye, El Nenny, all those people. It, it finally feels like we've turned the corner and. You know, we as fans are going to give these young players the time they need to develop. I say that, but I really hope it's true because that we've been waiting a while for them. We've said, look, all we, Project Youth 2.0 is an exciting project. And, yeah, it's uh, good times.
1: And some interesting comments from Willock on Freddie Lundberg. Um, every day I'm working with him and learning from him. He's improved my whole overall game. If I'm being specific, getting in the pockets when I'm playing number 10 and attacking at number 8, he showed me a lot of different tactics to get into the space and turn to attack teams. Like, oh, I get excited by that. No one knows
2: how to get in the pocket better than Freddie Lundberg.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I can't remember the specific player that mentioned it the other week, but basically Emery has outsourced communications to Lundberg, he's like, you know, Lundberg comes and talks to us and gives us the instructions. Which, to be honest, like listening to press conferences is is probably a good thing. But it's, uh, it you know, it looks like it might be an inspired move to uh, switch Freddie out for for Bold. Bold looked a little bit defeated. Freddie looks hungry to prove something. Right? Hungry,
2: hungry to impress. Freddie Lundberg's a fucking cool guy. He is cool. He's won everything.
1: Look at those tattoos. He
2: did it with attitude. Yeah. Uh, we love you Freddie
1: because you've got red hair we do we do um, so uh, another another player that we want to talk about Obama Yang Hot, hottest hottest sharpshooter in Europe at the moment question is like how are we feeling about him sitting in a wider position I mean I think he's looking great there you I like think, him there I think
2: he just looks razor sharp at the moment and he it, looks
1: the fittest he's ever been
2: he just looks like he's trained every day of the summer you know we saw that sharpness with that finish against barcelona in pre-season and, and and a few others where you just saw him and you were like he looks red hot yeah and then he's come into the season and he's just carried it on i just i, I think it shows he looks like a guy who's just got really committed to absolutely delivering this season and look he's got one year left at the end of this season so that could also be a role in it he could be wanting to go and have a cracker you know, a Barcelona, a Madrid, uh, one of those guys at the end of the year, that could be it. But if that is it, then let's just enjoy the ride and get the goals.
1: Yeah, he's he looks at the, the absolute peak of his game.
2: I mean, it's unfair in a way that he hasn't been linked with Barcelona and Real Madrid before because he's consistently scored more goals than anyone. So, uh, Bar Messi, really, isn't it? So...
1: Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens to his goal tally this season. Now he's got pace either side of him, and when you watched, um, you watched him in one of his best seasons for Dortmund, and he had Dembele um, out wide, feeding him balls into that six-yard box area, like he was he was he absolutely scored deadly. a hat trick on Saturday. He could have, yeah, that, yeah.
2: The chance at the end, he made a hash of another couple. He was unlucky. So um, Lacazette
1: had a. And uh, you know, scored another very Lacazette goal. <laughs> Somebody mentioned uh, channeling his inner Gianluca Viali, and that was a uh, Galway on Twitter. I thought that was uh, an apt comparison falling over, leaning into players, and then somehow squeezing it between the goalkeeper's legs. Beautiful. Vi-
2: Viali was a cool guy, wasn't he?
1: Viali was a cool guy. He was a good manager as well. It's surprising that he didn't really.
2: Yeah, I feel like he was one of those sort of like old school managers who would like, you know, go out and get the players or drunk and smoking cigarettes till four in the morning and then they'd go out and they liked him and they'd play for him and they'd win but i feel like now you're just as likely to get to invite all the players out for a night out and then they're all your mate and then the next day they just fuck you over it feels like footballers hey, i'm just being cynical
1: you are like going out for a night out with the arsenal boys oh. on the balloons having a good time the yeah didn't didn't ken bates say that the the hardest person to fire ever was Viali because he was such a nice guy versus Rude Hullet, who he was looking forward to the whole time. <laughs> um, so out- outside of, you know, you know, a lot of really positive performances, um, you know, Rhys Nelson probably needs to uh, focus a little bit more, take a bit more aggression to his game, but it's early doors for him. And he kind of he had nearly a great goal disallowed, created yeah, two chances. I just sort of feel
2: like he is an, out- an output Base player at the moment, so he's the kind of player who could go through a spell where he doesn't actually contribute that much, but he might get goals and assists uh, because he just seems to sort of pop up at the right time. So I think we've just got to give him as much game time as possible because clearly there's something that everyone is seeing in him that means he could turn into quite a player. So. More game time for Reese Nelson, in my opinion. Get him playing most home games at the Emirates. Yeah, against, who are against anyone below top six. He just looks like
1: he needs a little bit of a belief in de- injection at the moment. I,
2: I think if he gets a goal, it will change.
1: Yeah, yeah, and very close. He put, you know, he had the ball in the net. If it weren't for like <laughs> I a, a, it was um, onside. And yeah, Monreal they... shoulder. Monreal. So we've got Doing Liverpool. Well. We've got Liverpool up next week. Um, my my main concerns from the game twofold. Um, I think that we are dangerous playing out of the back. Danger, like we're a danger to ourselves. Like it's too slow. It's too predictable. And uh, like when you combine that with like the methodical, like slow build-up play, where we let the opposition set, we're like we set up allowing ourselves to be hammered from a press, and we don't like, we don't seem to be adapting very well to that. I don't think Guedosi was. Having the best of times, turning that press um, at the weekend, and I definitely don't think our defence were. When we head into Liverpool, and that front line of theirs is loaded with ruthless pace and clinical finishing, is Emery going to change it up, or do you think he, you know, his his philosophy is geared around slow, methodical playing out the back? And I mean,
2: my if I was Emery, I would play same formation, four at the back. I'd say full-backs, wing-backs, whatever the fuck you want to call them, don't push on too high and really try and not concede a goal in the first 20 minutes. Right. Um, sounds obvious. But um, we've got hammered the last few, last few times we've been. I mean, we scored first last year, but we got hammered. Um, so it would just be great to make a game of it because I feel like if we could still be in the game – even just even if we're one nil down with thirty minutes to go, I would fancy us to get something. The danger is we get blown away in the first half. Yeah. And and I think that just the whole objective—we've got to think of it like George Graham would think about it. It's like stay in the game as long as possible because we've got so much incredible striking talent that if we need a goal in the last ten minutes and we push, we've got a good chance of getting it.
1: Yeah. Burn Leno. Needs to have a really solid game. He needs to shake that. That weir- he
2: has been pretty good at saving the ball. It's just not. Been yeah, great. but it's more
1: like I, I thought that the you know those diagonal balls into the box that Liverpool are, are going to be dropping at the weekend. Like they'll probably have taken some confidence from his shaky so performance. The,
2: the one twos, the, the through balls. That's where our defense just seems
1: terrible. What do you think uh, uh full Is it Maitland-Niles, uh, Monreal? Is he bringing Kalasanak? I think it'll be
2: Maitland-Niles and Monreal. Monreal. Yeah. Monreal's had a good start to the season. Been really solid. And yeah. um, I don't know why you'd bring in uh, Kolasinac. I think Kolasinac is a great attacking threat and should play all the home games at left-wing back.
1: What do we think? Um, is he going to bring... Jacker back and put uh, Gwendozy on the bench, or is he going to see what happens?
2: I think that uh, it's more likely that he will play. Uh, I think he could play Torreira and Gwendozy.
1: Torreira and Gwendozy?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I think it'd be a statement, wouldn't it? It'd be a statement. But like, uh, like the future is not Jacker, and I know that he does a lot. You know, ninety percent of his game is is pretty sound, but that that ten percent where he dozes off, where he doesn't pay attention, where he plays a ridiculously stupid ball, like it's costly and at the highest level, um, especially against a team like Liverpool, that's gonna cause us issues. But then the flip side of it is putting a young putting three young players at the heart of that midfield, if it doesn't work, do you put people back in their development? You're not gonna put anyone back in their development if we lose, I don't think. Um we got
2: hammered there last year. We we often get hammered there. Like I think we should just go for
1: it. Just go for it. Okay, are you, so are you confident?
2: No, 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 no. I think we'll lose. Um, but I'd love to make a game of it. Yeah. So that we can go into the North London derby and go. We played pretty well, narrowly lost at Anfield. That's, that's not being defeated, it's being realistic. And of course, deep down, I'm hoping that we're somehow going to win but you know last year we went 1-0 up and got smashed after that yeah and, so, and liverpool
1: are on a different planet like they've got so many players coming into I mean I think into it's a their good prime. time to
2: play them because they've been shaky yeah you know I'd love to be playing them at home rather than away but
1: they weren't great against southampton
2: they weren't great i thought they
1: could easily have conceded or some sloppy mistakes. Yeah. they weren't great against chelsea in the super cup
2: no so this is this is the right time to be playing them but you know the danger is our defense is so susceptible to those sl- slid through through balls and you know i, I fear for I fear for those gaps between the center back and the full back the gaps between the center backs but emery's got to come
1: with a plan right i mean this is like he likes to He the big said he games. doesn't want to play liverpool i know i know I feel, I, I feel a bit sorry for him because he's trying to show his um <laughs> His growth with the language, trying to banter, and it, it doesn't come. It doesn't come across very well. But I think it, you know everybody talks about Emery's video analysis. I think that there were a lot of occasions last season when it didn't look like any video analysis had been done. Like, what is Emery going to bring to the table this year? And there can't really be any excuses. This is his team now. It's his ideas. Uh, so let's let's see what happens. If we, so, what, one nil. We're not happy, but we're not we're not sad. Six nil questions need to be asked, yeah, okay, fine, so in- but, but you know we're go- we're
2: gonna we've gotta think about games, I think, in blocks, and the first two games were definitely a block because they were two shit teams, let's be honest, yeah, the next two games are are a block it's it's Liverpool and Spurs, and uh one point is the minimum, yeah, uh four would be pretty amazing, yeah, six would be. We're going to have a really good season,
1: and then really you would expect us to beat Watford. We've had a terrible start to the season. Um, although Villa caused Spurs some problems, like McGinn looking very exciting up front. Me and is you Villa watched that. Away or home? Uh, Villa's at yeah, home, so I think we'll be fine. Yeah, so I think we should be fine there. Uh, and then the really big one is United, like absolutely awful to watch. We've got
2: Spurs on the thirtieth. That's a far bigger one than. Uh...
1: No, I'm talking about after our second block. Yeah. Uh, United, it, it, Spurs, uh, well, Liverpool are a long way ahead of us. Spurs are a long way ahead of us. But if they have a big Champions League run and it all collapses in the Premier League like it did last season, that kind of opens third up. But I think what I'm keen to see is how much better are we than United? Like, is is there a vast improvement? like that I I I think the Solskjaer is an incredibly lucky manager um but they dropped points against Wolves last night have you seen Wolves record since they got in the
2: premier league It's unbelievable against the big clubs
1: yeah they they're a phenomenal team like the the manager has got to be in the running for a big job at some point and some of those players have got to be in line for a big move at some point yeah. as well uh yeah and and then it's the man united game on the 30th of september oh, um, I'm excited already yeah same here Okay, so in part two, we're going to come back with some chat on Josh. So, Matt, um, David Ornstein is back with a belter. Orny. Yeah. Um, I think that he had a bit of a shaky start to the year, but he started the season strong. He's got all the exclusives. He's joined The Athletic. Uh, he's doing more TV work. And his new best friend appears to be Josh Cronkey. Uh, so
2: that was a scoop because I was worried about that guy. He was looking like he was uh, I, not, not getting the inside track.
1: I, I don't mean to be a suck up to the the mainstream media, but I am so happy that this, oh, Izzy ITK bollocks is gone. Nobody was an ITK this summer apart from Ornstein. Like he, he fucking ran the show and like Kike in. Like ran the show, called all the shots. That's what I love to see. Like proper journalists doing proper work. Uh, so well, well done for the exclusive, David Ornstein. If you want to a the back from a nobody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so the, you're, the not, inter- you're not a
2: nobody in my eyes, Pete.
1: Hey, I love you. <laughs> um, there, there are four. There are four sections of the interview that I thought yep. were uh, mildly interesting. Like firstly, the letter, um, which, <laughs> which I, which I know you're a massive fan of. Um, then we can talk about. The transfers, um, what his opinion of transfers were, like what the what the KPIs are, because we never hear what the explicit KPIs were, and I think that was one of your critiques from earlier in the season. And then we could talk about um, Josh having a go at what passion means in a soccer ball. So, firstly, the letter, uh, Josh taking off his uh, his white leather glove and smacking it across the fan group's legs. Uh, he had this to say. Um, when asked about you know, wh- wh- what did fan pressure do for your decision-making this summer, I would say that if you're reacting and doing club record signings based on public opinion, you're not going to go very far as a club. We weren't reactive this summer. We were actually proactive. It was unfortunate um, that everything unfolded publicly the way it did with some of the f- supporters' groups. I tried to answer um, their concerns to the best of our ability. So Josh is saying, of course we didn't react to fan pressure which is really the answer that you'd hope for and expect. What's your view? Well, I think you've got to
2: look at these things in the context of both the last decade and the full summer. So the real frustration from Arsenal fans, it boiled over, but it didn't boil over because of what had happened in the month. The transfer window had been open or however long it had been. It boiled over because of the last 10 years and we were so used to the same shit happening year after year after year after year, and we could predict it happening. So something changed because the Cronkies are the same, Josh is the same, Stan's the same, but we changed behavior for the first time in a decade. So something has spurred a change in direction. Um, And he can say it's not the letter, but... I don't know what else it was because we've had terrible results. We've missed out on the Champions League before. All of those things. And they didn't spur any sort of change. So, I mean, the only thing I can possibly think of is that they were there for the Europa League final. And being there must have been absolutely shit. And maybe that stung a bit. But even that's pushing it. Um, So, look, I I don't believe it. I don't buy it. Um, is 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 one side. Mm-hmm. The other side is we made big moves in the transfer market, and I don't know, I don't know enough about how transfers get done. But it felt like those irons must have been in the fire for a while to get those deals done because of big deals. Um, and I can't believe that it was after the letter drop that they went and sourced the deals and made the deals happen. So maybe the answer, being a bit boring, is. Somewhere in the middle. They were doing some exploratory work on a variety of deals, maybe intending to push the button on two or th- on two of them, and the reaction made them uh go and make them all happen.
1: Yeah, and I think there is maybe another explanation. Maybe Raul was waiting for Edu to join up. Um like perhaps they initially wanted to target Zaha and then when that didn't work out it was like, well, do I do I spend eighty million on a on now or do I wait? And then you know we've got a lot of a lot of irons in the fire. Let's see what drops when Edu comes. And uh, but I I do I do agree with Josh to a certain degree that they've gone they've he's they've tried a lot of things like the, like Stan Kroenke before Josh came on board tried spending a hundred million and we ended up with the worst transfer window of all time. And we've ended up in the Europa League. Um, Josh came on board what like la- not last January, the January before when he started doing the internal review. Since then we've fired the manager, hired a, a, a chief scout that we eventually fired. Um, then we've moved into round two of a new structure. Um, he's put Raul in charge, and now we're at like you know almost a, I don't know like a year into his tenure. And we've got a clear strategy. Um, it took a long while to execute this summer. But like ultimately, I make him right. The fan letter shouldn't have mattered. And it probably didn't matter to the overall thing that they were doing this summer. But the thing that I like about the fan letter is firstly, it galvanized everybody. Like every like Arsenal fans in the main, there's still some sniping that goes on. But Arsenal fans are a lot more united this season. And secondly, it gave... Uh, you know, sometimes in customer service, like you know, CRM business models, we're in the world of like social CRM, sometimes a customer complaint is a great opportunity to show people online that you care. And I think that that presented him an opportunity to be the new face of Arsenal. And now I think he's building a bit of a reputation for himself. You know, like Raúl loves the spotlight. Now he's now he's the he's on par with David Ornstein. He's an icon. He's a meme. Josh. After saying, be excited, and then delivering on excited, it goes some way, right? It goes some way to to moving fans' trust forward. I think he even mentioned it. he said, I would love to have the fans' trust, and I would love to have the fans galvanized. I know that I've got to earn that. And to your point, fuck yeah, you do. Ten years of letting us down, and now you've given us one summer, you've got to build on that.
2: I think there's a couple of other uh, other points to add, which is, I never felt that Gazidis was a football man. He's a businessman. And even
1: that's questionable and right? it was
2: about it was about his, lawyer it was about his survival whereas yeah and if you look at a lawyer, a lawyer's attitude to pretty much any problem is around pre- protecting protecting someone or protecting the, themselves um, whereas it feels like the people in charge have got a much more uh, you know, ambitious outlook. So I think that's, def- that's definitely made a difference. Then you just think about the mindset. If, if, if you've got a rich dad who has always been the guy and you've got a chance to come in and make a name for yourself and bring some success to a club that hasn't seen it in a while, I think Josh is going to enjoy the challenge.
1: I he, mean, he did say in the interview, he said football is his first love. He said football as well didn't slip into soccer. He said, football is his first love. Um, which, I, you know, whether we believe, the, you know, I don't want to wake my girlfriend up at 4.30 in the morning. Like, I'm a bit loud. I try and be more reserved in the stadium. Like, they're all, th- like, it doesn't matter what you believe. It's still nice to hear that somebody does care, which goes back to, you know, the original purpose of that letter. So I think that, I think that he's doing a good job. I think that he's got to continue to, uh, impress. I think he's got to continue to build bridges. But I think being the public face of Arsenal and talking to the fans more often, explaining success, explaining failure, and like bringing us along for the ride, because I don't think Stan or uh, Ivan Gazidis did a very good job there.
2: No, and and remember, we are the uh, we're the bullied girlfriend. We have been treated like shit for a decade, and then it's like we've just discovered having a partner. Who is nice to us? There's part of us that doesn't know how to behave. We're worried that they're going to take it all away. But it's like we've been taken out to a nice restaurant for the first time. Wist off our
1: feet. This is the most romantic.
2: It's beautiful. Yeah, we're we're, we're getting someone. We're getting love letters slipped into our bag on the way to work that we discover. We're going to beautiful. We're going to fancy restaurants for the first time after getting uh, Nando's every night.
1: Yeah, no, no more no more Nando's for us. Not even, it's not, it wasn't even Nando's, because at least Nando's Nando. was fun. <laughs> so, yeah, so but basically on, on the letter, we're happy. Uh, on the transfer front, Josh had this to say. Uh, so it basically says, uh, it talks about doing the deals and says, hopefully that's a sign of encouragement for Arsenal fans, that um, we're in the market. Um, and sometimes you can be surprised what we're doing. Fuck yeah, Nicholas Pepe was um, the biggest surprise since Sol Campbell. Then uh, then he says about January, which is normally a (laughs) no-go. As for January, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We've got to evaluate, evaluate some things in the short term and figure out where we might need to address going forward. So when January does roll around, we're going to be proactive again. Oh, <laughs> oh Josh. <laughs> oh, music to my ears.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like uh,
1: he's invited another f- female into the relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on? This is too good to be true.
2: Yeah, no, January is, just, uh, January is just a dark month. There is no, you know, that there's nothing coming in. It. Yeah, best case scenario, you'll get uh, Kim Carlstrom.
1: Yeah, with a broken back. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or we we had to go at january this year, and dennis Suarez yeah no little Jan-
2: flower. Jan- january january just the thought that we might even be thinking about it, you
1: know yeah, upper Meccano, oh. get him in, so but that's um another another crowd pleaser uh, also just on the transfer front, he did say uh, in part of the interview that they were asking you know the there were there were low ball amounts of money spoken about, did you did you tap reserves was the essence. And he was like, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to comment on that, but you know, like basically you do the math. So I, I you know, but he, we he, did
2: the math and, he, and the math, did. the math
1: came out 45 million there. No, but I I like the, you know, D- Donald Trumping it. I'm worth 10 billion. You know, that, that sort of thing. I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm up for a bit of show ponying.
2: Yeah. Like he, he, I think he could have done it. He could have been a little bit smoother about it. Like just go, look, we don't comment on anything. He sort of tried to imply that they dipped into their reserves, didn't
1: he? Yeah, he did. did. And you
2: know, they didn't. I'll (laughs) let him off.
1: I'll let him off. Uh, then when, um, uh, I think when he did the first press release, you were very aggressively against the first press. release. No, it wasn't the press release. It was talking about the vision of the club and you were like, where, what, like, how are you holding yourself accountable to being proud or, you know, progressing the club? There's no accountability and there's no timeline. Uh, we still didn't really get a timeline, but he did say challenging for the premier league is always our goal. And that's what we talk about constantly. Um, and he basically says, if we're challenging for the premier league, then we're challenging for other trophies by proxy because of the strength of the league. And he said that there are six clubs in the league and there are four champions league spots. The economics involved to be able to reinvest back into the club, attract a different type of player. Our goal is to get back and to win the premier league. So it's, it's at least three years, so we're obviously not going for it this season. No, look, but at I, look, least he's moving closer to a I don't timeline. Mind,
2: I don't mind what they've said because the way I interpret it, and the way I think any any realistic football fan can interpret it, is um, first things first: get them get back in the Champions League. Second thing is narrow the gap. Third year is try and try and challenge for the Premier League, and it's a three year project. And I think the the great thing is we've already made a huge amount of progress in the transfer window, not just this window, but also last summer. I know we didn't have a great season, but I feel like we bought some better players who can serve us in the long term that fit into a a plan. And even if they don't work out, we can still sell them. Even if Torreira, for instance, uh, he's the player of the second half of last season rather than the player of the first half of the season, I still feel like we can recoup 30 million for him. You yeah, know, for sure. Even with uh, even with a, a half baked season, so we, we've got back onto an even keel on that front. So, so that was good. And then I think we also asked for more clarity around what's the player strategy. Are we project youth? Are we scour for best available, best young talent? And look, what the transfer window showed us is it is appears to be a strategy where we're going to. Spend money on the best young talent in Europe, and we're going to augment with our academy.
1: And, I love that, and it's what, it's what we want. Yeah, and I, you know, I say it again. I wanted Dortmund plus plus plus. I think what we're getting is closer to a Bayern Munich model, where you 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 know try and bring through academy players. If you can't get a good academy players, you buy them in, and then if there is an opportunity to spend big on a talent that you think could be worth 150 million in two years, you go for it. Uh, although Bayern Munich's transfer strategy hasn't looked particularly fancy. Did you see that they, they, they signed Perisic? Coutinho on loan... I'm like, ooh.
2: Are they, uh, are they the new Arsenal?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I can I, see that being Arsenal. Yeah, they didn't have a good result Although the weekend actually, either.
2: We joke. That is, if you said at the beginning of the season you're going to sign Coutinho on loan and get Perisic, we'd have said, great.
1: I'd have taken it. Yeah. yeah. like you, but, but there aren't many transfer strategies that you wouldn't have taken at the start of the summer. Literally just get anyone in. I yeah. would have been happy with Zaha. Do you remember
2: that? Uh, no, only signing Peter
1: Cech. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then Arsenal fans are going well uh, the year before we became invincible the only player that we signed was uh, Jens Lehmann like, it's not yes. the same it's just not the same uh, then uh, I guess we touched on it like he did Josh did go into his um, his passion but I liked I like this line where he said um, passion can go a couple of different ways but knowing the passion of the Arsenal support community it would be an incredible sight to behold basically like bringing bringing people together
2: Yeah. And look, the reaction that I I haven't, didn't, I wasn't at the Burnley game, um, but the sense was that the atmosphere was really good. It's the first home game of the season, but it's also an early kickoff. And the sense was, it was, you know, there's more people tweeting about how we need to make noise at the ground rather than how they fucking hate half the fan base and the players and the owner. And that is a positive step. Um, I also think one of the one of the pieces that doesn't get talked about a lot is we're more likely to get behind the team with young homegrown players in it.
1: So much more likable that squad, right?
2: I completely agree. And it's, you know, having Willock and Nelson. Look, Nelson hasn't played particularly well in the first two games of the season. He's been fine, but we're not we're gonna get behind him. We're gonna make it happen for him because yeah. we want a young Hungary Arsenal winger scoring goals at the club more than we want to sign someone for twenty million to come in. So it's his time, it's his chance, and look, it just it just feels good. And I know, you know, I know we're going to lose at the weekend because Liverpool we're terrible at Anfield. But and that's yeah, I know there's a part of me that's secretly hoping we're not, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but we are because we're not we're not far enough through our. Um, our process. I sound like Unai Emery. You do,
1: yeah. <laughs> to get together. Good evening. Yeah, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's an exciting time to be an Arsenal fan. We've basically got. It's it, it, the difficult thing is we have kind of got everything that we want, and it also sounded like Mustafi and El are going to be off the wage bill. Um, fingers crossed on that. And then you don't really have a lot to complain about like Klasanak. I'm not complaining about a man that, you know, beat up two people with a knife. um, uh Jacker, I mean not not ideal, but not not the worst. And then Ozil. You, you know Urzl, you know, if Urzel comes back and stops being sick all the time, he's a player. But the great thing about the Urzel situation is he's been he's been marginalized. If he doesn't want to play like a superstar, he's not wanted. And he's agents in DC, uh trying to negotiate a deal out next season. So we've only got one more year of him, and surely he doesn't want to end his last year in Europe at a proper club being like hammered sitting on a bench yes it's no way to go and he did start pre-season well but like at least he can be used sparingly and at least his bad form isn't going to impact the greater good of the squad like maybe it did last year predictions i i think 2-1 to liverpool i think uh 3-1 liverpool 3-1 liverpool okay but you know the key is no damage, in, limitation, yeah, and, limitation. damage limitation and then and then really get into Spurs the week after Yeah, I think Spurs are there for the taking Right, okay, thank you very much um, for coming in Matt Thanks Pete Thanks for listening Hey, leave those five star reviews on iTunes I get an enormous sense of well-being off the back of those bad boys It'd be great um, to be 498th yeah, by, by So this time next week Get your mum to listen to it um, On that note, I will see you next week Ciao for now
0: To order today, visit one eight hundred flowers dot com slash tune in. That's one eight hundred flowers dot com slash tune in.
2: Sports, social, podcast network.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
2: A laundry. Ooh, a book club.
0: Computer solitaire. Huh. Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.